0: was like, but um, mine was crazy this week and I like it. I like it that way. But uh, I have a question for you before we even get into that. Did anybody in here have any weird quirks that people kind of make fun of you for? Come on. you can. It's all right. Raise your hands. Come on. Got any weird quirks? Okay. I've got a few weird, weird quirks and I'm sure if we all wanted to sit down and talk about our, our weird quirks, uh, we could do it for quite a while. One of my weird quirks In the house, when you have a, like in your hallway, there's a light switch on this side, and there's a light switch on that side that operate the same light. One of my main weird quirks is they both have to be down if it's off, okay? If the light is off, they can't both be up. That drives me absolutely nuts. So my kids will leave them up, and I think they do it on purpose, but they'll leave them up, and the lights will be off. So I'll go switch off, walk down the hallway, turn that one off, and now the light's off, and I can go to bed and sleep all right. That's one of my weird quirks. Another weird quirk I have is... um. Anybody, when you go buy clothes, do you have to wash them first? Absolutely, without a doubt. Cannot put that fabric on of the whoever tried it on before you kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I ca- I have to wash clothes before I get to wear them on a regular basis. Now, Christy sometimes, she'll, she'll uh, yeah, I washed it, sure. And I can tell immediately that she's lying to me. And um, it, it's like... I bought black socks not too long ago. And she's like, yeah, yeah, sure. And I, I immediately I could feel it. Just There's just something about it. Well, on Friday, um, as you all know, last week, uh, Bill Mayhall, one of our, our uh, members, passed away. And uh, his memorial service was yesterday. And, and thank you for, for uh, those of you who were able to make it yesterday and, and come and support the family. But um, on Friday, I realized I didn't have any shirts uh, since losing all the weight that I could actually button up, and wear a tie with. So I had to go buy a new shirt. So I went in to buy a new shirt, and um, I, <laughs> it stinks being tall, having long arms and a skinny neck, because shirts end up being $60 instead of the 24 You can get them at for Kohl's or, or JCPenney's. So I got the shirt, and of course, immediately I had to throw it in the washer, threw it in the washer, got everything going, got a load, went to throw it in the dryer, threw it, and hit the button to turn the dryer on, and the dryer went, meh. nothing, nothing. I'm like, okay, well, I'm a man, and I can figure this out. It's not a problem. Um, there is a problem, by the way, still, um, just, to, just to clarify that. So I, I'm like, okay, that's all good. Um, I threw it all, everything, took it, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to mess around with it, took some stuff apart. I'm like, well, this is the button that I pushed, and that's the button that didn't work, so I'm going to replace that button. That's not a problem. Um, so I started looking online, found out there's a place here in town that had them in stock, but it was 930 at night when I'm doing this, and I like, so what I'll do is I'll just fix it tomorrow. I'll take all my clothes, and I'll run up to the, uh, the laundromat. Well, apparently laundromats on Friday night close at 10. I'm thinking, okay, well, I get there before 10. That's the problem. No, no, last wash is at 9. They close at 10. So I had a wet shirt that I uh, obviously couldn't wear the next morning. So I went, and uh, it, it, because it had to be washed. You know, it was that whole thing. Uh, I went and said, OK, what I'll do is I'll just, I'll just wash it again in the morning because I don't want it to sit all night and be like kind of that mildewy, you know, I don't want that. So I washed it again. I got up at 6 o'clock in the morning, washed it again, uh, and then I ran up to the, the, the laundromat to do it. So I took the whole thing apart, the whole uh, dryer part. after everything was done, went down, drove downtown, picked up this part, this $40 part, drove back up, put it in, hit the button, hit the button again, made sure it was plugged in. Called the place back and said, hey, uh, apparently this wasn't the part that I needed. Uh, can I return it? Well, did you connect it? Well, that's how I found out it's not the part that I needed. Yes, I did connect it. Well, sorry, anything that's been connected can't be returned. So now if anybody needs a washer push starter s- switch, I've got two. Um, and uh, one of them I'll use and the other one I will not. So uh, if you guys need one of those, it's, it's all set. Um, but that all started because these these weird quirks. And another weird quirk that I had... Um, is I found out that I say weird things while I'm talking. And it's all online if you uh, ever have a chance to listen. uh, I I listen to my messages to kind of see what I shouldn't have said, what I was okay, and other things I need to write apology letters for, you know, things like that. And um, so I'm listening to it, and there's a couple of things that I say repeatedly. And I used to make fun of guys like me, and maybe that's why God has me do it. Because when somebody used to pray and I was a kid, we used to count how many lords and our fathers and heavenly fathers they would throw in there. You know, the, the guy that says it over and over like God doesn't know that you're talking to him, so you have to keep repeating it. And um, so we would count and do all that. But I started realizing how many times I say a few things, and I've had some different people tell me, hey, you know, you say, if you really think about it. So now that I've said it, think about that and, and, and process that. As, uh, as I speak this morning, be like, yep, there's another one. You know, Instead of taking notes, just to make check marks. Um, but I say that a lot. And as I was listening to each of these messages and, and hearing that pop up, there was something else that I heard. As, I, as I've listened to the messages over the last, well, kind of since about May, and I'm not sure if you're here back with us in May, we did those ninja character assassins, and we did the ninja character assassins, which then carried into our at the at the movie summer series, and then that carried into um, Jonah, and then we kind of carried into uh, from Jonah into the the soul detox that we did. And I listened to each one of these messages along the way, and all of them had the same basic theme. Now, this didn't have as much to do with the quirks, but it, it seems like over and over and over and over again, the theme has been, put us aside, put God first. Put us aside, put God first. And it seems like even during that soul detox, I'm not sure about you, but I kind of got beat up by it and felt like, man, we need to have we need to have a little bit uh, uh, more of a fun Sunday. And I'm not that church has to be like, woo. You know, and we all go walk out of here, you know, beating on tambourines and stuff. But you know, let's have let's have some fun. And so I told Jerome, I said, "Hey, hey, make the music upbeat this morning. L- let's let's have some fun with that." And and uh, I said, "Let's change the message because th- this week's message and next week's was going to be called giving it up and putting God first again." And I'm like, "Wait a second, that just all this keeps going over and over and over again." And so I I literally sat on Monday going, "What what could we possibly talk about? What is it that we could?" Talk about and get into that would just help us have more joy. Help us be excited about coming to church. Because I don't want anybody to come to church going, oh great Matt's just gonna hit me upside the head with the shoe again today. And you know, that that's not what that's not what I want people leaving with. I want people to be challenged, but at the same time I want people to be excited about about Christianity and following Christ and, and the life that we have to live. And so as I was sitting there, we already had scheduled our communion Sunday, which is the Sunday after Thanksgiving, which is we're going to call it give thanks. I said, well, my favorite verses uh, in the whole Bible are first Thessalonians 5:16 through18. And um, the fine thing is there's, there's three of them there and three specific commands. One is rejoice always. the next one is pray continually and the final one is give thanks. And I'm like, okay well, there's three Sundays up till or the third Sunday is give thanks, so why don't we do it that way? And let me tell you why that's kind of my, my favorite verse and the reason why uh, that, that passage uh, really changed me and changed who I was and who I was becoming. Because when I was in high school, I was your typical high school kid, okay? Um, th- I went to church. I did the things that, that uh, I felt were necessary. I went on mission trips. I, I memorized verses. I went to summer camps. I did all those things like that. Uh, and in the process of doing that, I still also led the life of school. I led the life of of, well, you know, separate from church, because those didn't really intermingle much, at least not in my mind, they didn't need to, and so um, I remember sitting in youth group one time, and and, you know, I can honestly tell you, I can't remember that much from youth group, it's not like it was heavily, heavily impactful on me, but there's a few things that that I remember, and one of them was a a friend of mine, and he was a a year older than me in school, Uh, his name is Darren McWatters, and he's a pastor now but uh the youth pastor actually gave him an opportunity to speak and he spoke on these three verses and and I can honestly say that in all the m- bible memorization and all the things that I did this wasn't one of the ones that I ever came across and I'd never heard it before and what he really challenged was is hey make the bible real and make it something that you can apply to your life and make it something that can that can move you in the direction that God wants you to go and he said Find a life verse. Find something that you can hold on to and take. And, you know, I didn't really have that. That wasn't anything. I mean, I knew what John 3.16 was. I knew Romans 3.23. I know Romans 6.23. I knew 1 John 1.9. All the ones that you were supposed to know if you were going to share your faith and throw out there. But I didn't really have one for me. And he started talking about this very three three verses. And I said, wow, that's exactly... What I need. That's exactly what I need to hear. And, and, you know, from that point on now, it's it's like turning the Titanic. It was a long, slow process. It wasn't like all of a sudden my life just became amazingly Christian and things. But this is where I started to apply. This set of verses where I started to apply. And I said, you know, maybe that's our problem. Maybe I've been beating you guys up so much with, with these passages on putting God first, putting us second, you know, lifting him up lowering ourselves in all of these different areas, cleaning out our lives in in the soul detox area, maybe we just need to ask the question that all little kids ask and all adults ask. Why? Why? Why should we do this? Why should we do the things that are called to do? Do me a favor. Open up your Bibles if you would for me to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. 5, 16 through 18. And if you have different versions, um, they all are fairly simple and the same. And I would like to read the, the New Living Translation version first. because That's the one that I generally read on a daily basis. But I'd also like to read the NIV because that was the one that I memorized. And then I'd like to break them down and really take a look at it. And these are such powerful verses that are written by Paul. Um, from a mentor to a mentee type mentality. From a spiritual dad to spiritual kids. And I think it's a challenge for us as well. And it's found in the book of uh, First Thessalonians. And uh, there's there's arguments out there on whether or not it is true or not. But it's said that First Thessalonians is the very first letter to any church that Paul wrote. So this is his first pouring out. It's either this or, or Galatians. And, and that's where the, the debate goes on. But when we think about that and we... There it is. There's that think about it thing. Um, When, when we... Process that. Process this in our minds. How's that? Um, now I'm stuck. Now I can't even, now I'm going to hear myself say it and you guys are all going to laugh. Um, let's just read it. How's that sound? First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. The NIV Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray that God can just speak through these verses to us today. Father, we're so thankful for who you are. We're thankful that you loved us enough to send your son, Jesus Christ. We're thankful, Lord, that even through everything that happens in our lives, the good times, the bad times, the ugly times, That, God, your son is still on the throne. That you are still in control. And that we can rest assured in that. We pray it all in your name. Amen. I think these verses are a big growth area for us. I think... When we can see these things in our lives, it can change who we are, it can change our outlook, it can, it can show Christian growth, it can, it can challenge us to read the Bible more, it can bring us to the point of not just reading it but applying it, kind of like soap, you know, some people, uh, we, we've done that before, where we've had a bar of soap and you buy a bar of soap and it's in a box, well that bar of soap looks good on the shelf and it can even smell good, but it's not going to do anything until you actually open the box and apply it to your life, and that's the same way it is. In the Bible, you can't really do anything with it until you open it up and you apply it. When we look at these verses, when we look at them and we apply them, it changes who we are. And it changes how we respond to things. And it changes even how we respond to God when he calls us to serve, that service opportunity that's on your insert there. You know, some people look at that and say, well, I really don't want to get up earlier. I understand that. I don't like getting up earlier either. I really don't do well working with kids. I really don't, and we have immediate excuses on why we don't want to do it instead of how we can serve and how we can help and where we can help because there's a place for every single one of us in the kingdom of God, and that's what he's got. And so what I want to do today is I want to take this verse, and I want to apply it to our lives. And really, the first thing I want to look at is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, and depending upon which version you have, two, three, four words that are there. Two, three, four words there. And you think, how in the world can we possibly look at two, three, or four words and take an entire sermon out of that? Well, I'll be honest with you. When I was growing up, uh, my preacher was what they call an expository preacher, where they break down every word of every verse, and it took us six years to get through the book of Genesis. Um, He could break down the word the and how it was and do an entire sermon on it. So. Some of you guys are old school and like the expository type of thing. I'm going to give you a little bone here and throw it out there. Because we're going to go two words today. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. And when we look at that and we dig deeper into that command, do you realize that joy and the word rejoice are used repeatedly throughout Scripture to describe the believers? To challenge the believers. To have joy and to rejoice. I mean, it's really not a difficult concept to to grasp, this whole rejoice always. We could break it down into the Greek, okay? Um, But if you really, you know, I don't do that a lot. I don't throw out Greek words. I don't throw out the Hebrew. I don't do that a lot. But if you really look at the Greek word, it's hiero. I know. Impressive. It's only because I had to listen to it on the little theological uh, thing online that pronounces it for you. And you know what it means? The word rejoice, hiero, means be glad. Be glad It's really pretty simple. Be full of cheer, be full of joy. That's what it's telling us to do. So if you want to take it from the actual Greek, be full of joy always. Now if we look at the Greek word for always, I bet you can't guess what it actually means. All the time. I know. I know it's difficult and it's hard for us to grasp sometimes when we're looking into that Greek stuff. And when that's the reason why I don't throw it out there very often. But if you really looked at it, it says, Be full of joy all the time. The very first two words of this verse. Be full of joy all the time. We really could stop right there and be done. But we got to figure out, once again, that why. Why? Always. You know, in the book of Philippians, Paul wrote, You've probably heard the song, or if you grew up as a little kid in the church, maybe you even sang the song, Rejoice in the Lord Always, and Again I Say Rejoice. That's actually a verse in the book of Philippians. Now, something we need to understand, because some people in here are like, how can I possibly be joyful? You don't understand the week that I've had. You don't understand the month that I've had. You don't understand the year that I've had. You don't understand the life that I've had. How can I be joyful? Let me clarify something here. The difference between joy and happiness is huge. Sometimes we we connect those two. We connect those two. And I think the reason why is happiness is really an emotion that's based on our circumstances. Happiness is based on when a baby is born in your family, you're happy. When you buy your first home, you're happy. When you pay off your first home, you're happier. Happiness is based on our our circumstances, and as long as things go the way that please us, we're happy. But joy doesn't fall in that same category. It's funny, because I was thinking about my week this week, and it was kind of an up and then a down, and then an up and then a down, if you want with the happiness. Because on Tuesday, I was happy that I lived in America, because I had the right to vote. That made me happy until I got to Rio Rancho Elementary School and the line was out the door. That made me less happy. I met a guy in line, an older gentleman. We talked back and forth, and we were there for four hours. So we had a really, really good time of conversation. I waited in line for four hours to vote. And all I kept telling myself was, this is my right. This is my privilege. There's people all around the world who would stand in line for days to vote if they were allowed to. Kept telling myself, kept telling myself that. 20 minutes, 20 minutes from the end of the line, People started leaving that were behind me this was at 10 o'clock at night i'm like why is everybody leaving christy sends me a text it's already been decided new mexico's been called like why am i bothering to vote if everybody's already won what what am i doing here so back down it went from up to down to up to down not quite as happy got home all my kids were in bed already I was kind of frustrated with the whole system of everything and the way that it works, and I can get into the Electoral College, but I won't. But the, uh, the whole thing all laid out there, I'm just like, you know, this is, it's just frustrating the way that it all came about. I went to bed that night, laid awake, thinking about it, didn't really sleep very well. Thursday morning, got up, Peyton met me, uh, my, uh, my six-year-old. Peyton met me, and he told me, he said, hey, Dad, why didn't you come home last night from voting? I said, well, it's not my fault. But, uh, you know, I, I got home eventually, and you were asleep. Oh, I really wanted to tell you something. And this is the point I'm still a little bit frustrated about wasting that much time and taking away those four hours from my family. He goes, hey, I just wanted to tell you something. He said, um, I, I want, when I grow up, I want to be a church planner like you. And I went, well, that just made my day. That just made it that much better. It went from up to down to up to down now to, to sky high. You know, it was it was just a, a great thing to hear him. say t- And I said, well, why do you want to do that? Well, I just want to f- find a place where people don't know about God and start a church so they can hear about God. And this is a six-year-old telling me this, and it wasn't prompted. And I got really emotional as a dad, thinking, man, you know, there's a lot of kids that don't want to do what their dad does because it's always sucking the life out of it or, or, or you know, because they come home complaining. And I'm like, well, there's something I can be happy about that, that obviously I've set a good enough example that he wants to be like me. And, uh, and you know, <laughs> excuse me, getting a little choked up about it now, but the, the thinking along those lines, okay, up and down, and up and down, and up and down, and then uh, I had to deal with, with funeral stuff, and I don't particularly like funeral stuff, and, and you know, uh, families that are in sorrow, that that hurts me, and, and, and so coming into to Friday knowing that I had to get all this stuff ready, and then the dryer breaking, and then that went from happy to not so happy, and then buying the part made me happy, and then putting the wrong part in made me not so happy, and... You know, up and down and up and down. And I got to thinking about this. Everything along that entire week was up and down and up and down. But the thing that went straight across is that God's in control. The thing that never changed in all of that is that God knows exactly what he's doing. And that's where our joy comes from. That's why we say rejoice always. Whether we're at a wedding or we're at a funeral, or we're, we're dealing with our kid at their worst, or hearing that they want to be just like us when they grow up. God is in control, straight across the board. You know, it's funny, I was talking to a, a lady yesterday at, at the funeral, and, and she was commenting about the, uh, the results of the election. And obviously, people, some people are really excited, and other people are really upset. Uh, our, our country is kind of this divided state here. But the thing that she said that went right along with that, she said, hey, it doesn't matter who the president is because God is still God. Whoever's sitting in the White House doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, she said this, and I I thought I would pass it on, but if you ever read the book of Revelation, America's not in there. So no matter how hard we try to make America stay the greatest nation on the planet, it's going to fail somewhere along the line because it's not in the book of Revelation, and we know that that's the end. So somewhere along the line, America disappears. And whether that's during our generation or the next generation or however long it takes for God to come back, we have to understand that. We have to understand that God is in control. So no matter who's in the White House and who's not or or whatever it might be, whoever senators are, God is in control. And that is where we find our joy. That is where we rejoice at. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Our joy isn't dependent on our circumstance. Our true joy is found in our eternal relationship with God. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 4 through 10. It says, rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings and imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. It's quite a verse. Or a passage to back up what we're talking about. Look at Acts five forty one. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, rejoicing, because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Christ. How many times have we considered it worthy and rejoice? Acts sixteen twenty five. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, which means they were rejoicing, and the other prisoners, which would mean they were where? In prison. We're listening to them. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. That was written from a prison cell when Paul told us. James 1, 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish at work so you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Verses about rejoicing in pain and rejoicing in sorrow and rejoicing in hurt go on and on and on. Look at the psalm sometime. All the trying times. Where does joy come from? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 answers that question. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So joy is a fruit born of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So where do we get our joy from? How do we stay joyous? How is it opposite of being happy? Or how can it be opposite when we're not happy? How can we have joy? Well, it's born from the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit is inside of us, if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and allowed Him to come into our life and take over our life, there's going to be this joy that comes with it, understanding that this is not the end, that this is just a temporary shell we've talked about that that we are not just a body with a soul but we are a soul with a body and you look at all of that and it changes our perspective on things and it changes the fact that the Holy Spirit's inside of us and we can think differently about who we are and what we are going through joy is a fruit Romans fourteen seventeen says this for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness peace and And joy, and where is that found at? In the Holy Spirit. We also need to understand that joy is a choice that we make. Joy is a choice that we make. That's why Paul gives us command. Rejoice always. It's just as much of a command as anything else that he tells us. Rejoice always. It is God's desire for us to choose to focus on the joy that comes from him. It changes us, and it gives us strength. And so if we're going to ask the question of why, let me ask a question of why. Why don't we rejoice always? Why don't we rejoice always? Why are we not just always walking around with this spirit of joy inside of us? Because we have the Holy Spirit. If you've accepted Jesus Christ and you call yourself a follower of his, if you call yourself a Christian, you've got this inside. What is it that is squelching that joy? What is it that is holding us back? And I came up with with about six different reasons. Six different reasons that I could find. And I think many people, number one, don't rejoice because we lack confidence in our salvation. We lack confidence in our salvation. Many people question what it means to be saved. What does it mean to be saved? Is it just a prayer? Is it just some magical prayer that we say, and then all of a sudden we're saved? Is it getting baptized? Is it walking an aisle if you grew up in the church? You have to walk the aisle. Come on down. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling to you and to me. You know, Is that what it is? Is that what it means to be saved? I don't think some people really have joy because I honestly believe that they're really not saved. And it's not for me to judge. But if the fruits of the Spirit are not there, if the fruit that should be bearing in our lives are not there, maybe we should question if the the seed that's supposed to bring those fruits is in us. If the Holy Spirit is really in us. I think some people don't have joy because they don't have the Spirit inside. They don't have that constant joy. Now, I want to make sure. Clarify this once again: that happiness and joy are two different things. So, if you're unhappy and you're depressed, or you're dealing with a depression, or you're clinically even depressed, I am not saying, "Oh, you're, you're not saved because you're not happy." That that's not it at all. So, please don't get that. But what I am saying is this: there are a lot of people in this crazy world that think that they said a, this magic prayer that has got them their get out of hell free card, and it hasn't. Because it's about life change. It's about seeing the fruit that come from it and it's not just about doing things either because we see it in Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 Jesus says not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven many will say to me on that day Lord Lord did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles then I will tell them plainly I never knew you away from me you evil doers. That's kind of a scary thought. Those are the people I think that that said the prayer and and hey, we even helped set up chairs in church. We helped do this and help do that. But God's saying, you know, if you're not doing my will and letting me take over and letting God be the leader of your life and letting the Holy Spirit bear those fruit in your life, you have some issues. So first is that lack of confidence. The second thing is we may not rejoice because of an attack of the enemy. There are multiple verses. that talk about Satan being on the attack, about being an enemy, about being an adversary. Those aren't just verses to throw out there to, to fill up the pages of the Bible. That, that's the real deal. He wants to knock us down. He wants to rob us of joy. He wants to stunt our spiritual, spiritual growth. He wants to destroy our marriages. He wants to steal our children. He wants to wreck our life. First thing that pops in my mind right there is you better hide your kids and hide your wife. <laughs> if you've seen the YouTube video, you know what I'm talking about. But the the, the whole thinking there is, is he is he is after us to destroy us. He is there to to kill us and take everything we have, including our joy. So what's it tell us to do in 1 Peter 5:8? It says, be alert. And of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. What must we do when we're under attack? We have to stay alert. We have to stay equipped. We have to stay close to the Father. Look what it says in Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And that's where it kicks off that whole, um, the army, the armor of of God. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So first, people have a lack of confidence. I think second, those attacks. And third is this. We may not rejoice because we have a heart of unbelief. A heart of unbelief. John 8.32, many of you probably know it. You don't know the reference, but it's used quite often and, and used uh, flippantly by the, the mainstream society as well as the Christian society, but it is this. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And, I, you know, a lot of people understand uh, that verse from from one side, but I don't think they understand it from the other because there's, there's a difference between knowing the truth and believing the truth. Knowing the truth and believing the truth. Because the truth is that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. People know that. They've heard it, but do they believe it? There's a heart of unbelief that is out there. And when it seems uh, that we believe that, that he is there is when we're in the good times. But when stress comes along and anxiousness comes along and all those little details, joy seems to fade because we don't really truly believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That this world is not the end. We, we fail to remember that, you know. Just go back to the just go back to the election thing that I was talking about. You know, there, there was a frustration there, that, that came out in me that that pulled me down. It's like God, what what are you doing? Why, why is our country set up like this? Why, is, uh, all these questions, and yet God brought back around the next morning by having Peyton say that to me, to say it's about me, it's about your son wanting to reach out for me. It's about discipling. It's about bringing people along. It's about going out and making disciples and, and baptizing them na- in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That, that's what it is about. That's where it comes in at. We need to understand that. And that's unbelief, but I think maybe it's just sometimes the fourth one. We may not rejoice because of our ignorance of the truth. Some believers are not joyful because they don't understand Biblical truth. Kind of like that heavy soul we talked about a couple of weeks ago. We talked about the fact that we focus on the negative things in our life and we fail to remember what God has already done. That we look ahead and we see the anxiety and the things and we forget about the things that God's done in the past and that God has controlled the future. And we're just ignorant about that. And I don't use that word in a negative way because sometimes if you call somebody ignorant, they're going to shut down and say, well, no, that's not. We just miss the fact. That God is in control. And, and that is where we need to find our joy at. That is where it all boils down to. 1 John chapter 1 talks about what we need to know and how doctrine, this, that, that word that sometimes in church it, it causes us to, to kind of shudder a little bit because that means we have to learn rules. and There really is a reason for rules in our life. And it helps keep us in line, and it helps keep us out of trouble, and it also helps keep us growing on the right path. First John 1 John 1 says this, That which was from the beginning we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. We continue on into verse 2. It says, The life appeared, and we have seen it, and we testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Verse 3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship was with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we do all this, we write all of this, to do what? To make our joy complete. To make our joy complete. Our joy comes from the fact that we understand that we're not ignorant of who Jesus is and what he has done and what he is doing. And that's what, exactly what, what this passage from 1 John is talking about here. The fifth thing we need to understand is this. We may not rejoice because we have an ungrateful spirit. I'm sure uh, that we all know people. We all know people that enough is never enough. And we talked about it last week with the, uh, with the, the soul detox and, 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 and wanting to reach out and get the things and have more things. And I confessed to you last week, I like stuff. God, because he is infinite and uh, has this great wisdom and humor all at the same time, made sure that my dryer would break this week to put me to that test. Because I gave you that Christmas covenant. If you weren't here last week, um, it's online. But we, we did a Christmas covenant that we're asking you to sign. And uh, if you don't want to, you don't have to. But basically the thing was, is one of them was don't put anything on credit. Don't go overboard. Take the money that you would put on Christmas lights and, and put it towards missions, Uh all these different things. Well, of course, the week that I'm supposed to be talking about having joy, uh, my week goes up and down and up and down and up and down. And the week that I tell people not to put anything on credit, um, my dryer breaks. And I found out the cheapest new dryer, um, uh, even kind of a, just a piecer of a, of a generic brand, is 400 bucks. And I'm thinking, well, you know, as much as I just wish I had $400 dollars in my pocket, I don't. And so I'm thinking, how can I possibly go about this? Now, luckily, there's a thing called Craigslist, and, and uh, we're going to do some searching today. And, and, um, but it's amazing that, that I threw that out there, and then God throws a test back into my lap. You know? And you know, if, uh, if you ever experienced that, let me know, because I'm just, sometimes I think God only does it to me. But um, you know, he tells us very plainly in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, Seek first what? The washer and dryer of your dreams. (laughs) Seek first the most amazing car that you can possibly get that has all the bells and the whistles and the cool toys and the cool navigation screen. You know, last week I told you I I drove by Don Chalmers and stuff and I always took that thing over. Oh, man, there was this beautiful four-door Rubicon Jeep that uh, was lifted and had the full package on it. And I'm like, oh, man, I almost ran into the guy in front of me, so I almost had to buy a new car. But the... uh, You know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Don't seek all the stuff of the world. Seek first his. But then guess what his promise is? And then all of these things will be given to you as well. I think joy comes from being grateful to God because we don't deserve all that he has already given us. That is where our joy really comes from. We don't deserve what he's already given us, so we should be joyful just to him for the fact that he's given us anything at all. The final thing is, number six, we may not rejoice because of unreal expectations. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one, but some people teach that if we'll just serve the Lord, he'll be obligated to us to return us to be healthy and wealthy and all those kind of things like that. That is a false expectation of God. That is a false thing that and the reality of it all is, is that God's going to bless us, yes, but he's also going to let us face hardship in order to strengthen us and mature us in the faith. John 16, says, I have told you these things so that you may, be ha- may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. Here's where your joy is found. I have overcome the world. Our joy is found in Jesus. How do we maintain constant joy in our lives? We remember that. If you were a follower of Christ, understand that he has already given us that joy. He has already made us who we are. He has already taken us to that next level, and he, he's already won. He's already won. We're just along for the ride and enjoying following him in our daily life. Is it going to be easy all the time? No, but we can be full of joy all the time. Yes. Let's pray. Father, we're so, so thankful that regardless of our circumstances, we can find our joy in you. Regardless of our health, regardless of our wealth, regardless of our situation, whether we be in a happy time or a sad time, God, that we can always find joy in you. as we move into this Thanksgiving season, as we look into praying continually next week and giving thanks, and then even from there, moving into the Christmas season that is all about the joy that you sent to us. God, I pray that you're already working in our hearts and already working in our minds on how we should approach your throne on a daily basis, how we should get down on our knees before you and thank you and be joyful that you have given us all that you already have through your son. God, if there's anybody in here that doesn't know you, or if there's anybody in here that is questioning that, doesn't understand that, God, I pray that you speak to them. I pray that we can stand and talk and that we can pray together to introduce them to your son, Jesus Christ. pray it all in your name. Amen.